Hey everybody, we're back. Welcome to the Life, Love, and Existential Dread podcast. My name is Brian Arada. I'm a film composer in Los Angeles. My co-host, co-creator, co-founder, and Coca-Cola drinker, Nathan Shelton on the other end, back from Mexico. How you doing, Nathan? I am back from Mexico. Okay. <laughs> That's about it. That's about it. I, I miss my wife. That's significant. She's still in Mexico. I loved being in Mexico with her. Uh, I get back here and it's freezing. Although today it's quite nice in Chicago. We were out and about my kids and I today. So it was nice. But uh, yeah, I'm back. That's really it. I'm back. I've been in Mexico yeah. for almost a month. And uh, it was a great time. Missed you, buddy. I did have my birthday while I was there. We celebrated our anniversary while I was there. Got a new, new tattoo with my wife while oh, I was boy. there to celebrate our anniversary. And uh, had had a blast. Um, but yeah, now I'm back. And uh, you sent me an incredibly nice uh, video uh, while I was there. And... Uh, Everybody, I mean, my my wife had organized this uh, this really cool thing where everybody, you know, sent birth a birthday message to me for because it's my fortieth birthday, and so people were like sending me forty by forty by forty, you know, things, and everybody needed to have like a minute long video. It was very touching. I cried. I had some great messages, but one of the best messages on the thing, uh, arguably the best message on the entire thing, was. Your message to me, which you had written a rap video and performed it, and it killed. And uh, I'm glad you you put it out all over the internet. I got a great review or great, uh, you know, uh, uh, exposure response. on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, response. Thank you. Got great response on TikTok, on the on the Facebooks, on the Instagrams, and uh, everybody I've shown it to loves it. And they're like, "Oh my God, who is this guy?" And I'm like, "Oh, you don't know my friend Brian." <laughs> It's so funny. This guy I, shouldn't. This guy shouldn't be rapping, but he is. Uh, that's what's so he, funny would, about it. Yeah, and what my first instinct was, I was just going to play this super elaborate piano version arrangement of the Happy Birthday song, and so it's just obnoxious, just flying around the keyboard, just notes, 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 notes. And I was like, that's that's not enough, or a little too cliche, just with the Happy Birthday song. So then I was like, well, I'm getting to know Nathan pretty well with this with this podcast. I want to do some lyrics and sing something, and then it turned into a rap, and then it just went it from was, there. So it was, was perfect. My my favorite line in it is the uh, now we only have a minute and we're thirty seconds in it. I love, yeah. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> It's so great. Alma, the entire, my wife Alma, the entire rest of the trip after after that, she was singing the, Nathan, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Nathan. <laughs> like, she just kept singing it over hey. and over. Then I was singing it. It's so, vi it's so like, catchy. It just gets stuck in your head. It's an earworm. So I think we should I'm play so glad. it. I'm so glad. Yeah, I think we should play it, like, right now and then come back oh. because I think everybody needs to hear this beautiful song that you that you did. I, I was... I was singing the exact same thing. I was like, I got to put it in this episode of the podcast. Yeah. I, yes, it's on our channel. You can find it on my Facebook page, but I think we're talking about it right now. It's got to be in this episode. Yeah, yes, so, so here yes, it is. I will put it in this here episode. Bam. Yep. Nathan on the birthday when he's 40 He likes Drake, he likes Frankie, he likes tea that makes him pee The horror freak show of Reanimator Loves craft, witchcraft, and that's no Terminator I gotta think tales from the crypt and the ring Make you scream, dream nightmares, watching the thing He's 40 years old and his ears are probably ringing So you know what? 
I guess I'll start singing. Nathan, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Nathan. Make a wish, but this won't stop. Nathan, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Nathan. Time to party till you drop. But probably not. I only got a minute and we're 30 seconds in it. 40's not old if you're a tree in the forest. You're more like a yeti than a tyrannosaurus. I say at your age, but your 40's are just starting. Pretty soon all you do is walk through your party. So I hate to break it to you that there's just no hallelujah. There is no advice, it's just part of life. You're trying to get ready for a walker and be done. Hey, 40's not old, so just have a cold one. Nathan, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Nathan. Time to check in, cause it's true. Nathan, it's your birthday. Old man Shelton, y'all. That was it. <laughs> and now we're back. Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> I had so much fun putting that together. I, I Dude, it you know, took, did it take music. you a long time? I, okay. Yeah, I knew I knew we were going to get into this, and it sounds like I'm bragging, but it, it's just this is what happened. It was like one night, and it took about three or four hours to come up with the tune and about and six most or eight beers, lyrics. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm drinking. Yeah, I'm tanking beers and everything because that's part of the video. Is is you know just have a cold one, and I yeah. and I have a cold one there. Um, but I just I yeah, it took about three or four hours to write. Uh, lyrics and music and everything and then it was several days of tweaking minor things here and there and then the funnest part was putting together the video and all the flashes of stuff you know it's mm -hmm. like oh here's dracula here's frankenstein here's the, the animator and all yeah. this stuff all this stuff just flies by you know and i was like man this is i just having such a blast doing it so i'm it was such a great idea that all my head i i want to keep making more of those you know you just to make should. one oh my you know? god it's great you're gonna start having people like ask for it for it you know you're gonna have to yeah have to start charging because people are gonna be like oh i need a you know i need a a, a birthday video from my for my uh cousin's nephew twice removed or whatever <laughs> sure yeah yeah okay, give, give me the info i'll come up with the melody and and put all that stuff in there it was fun yeah. but like and keep it short though keep it like a minute you right. know a minute and 30 or something like that i love that it's not some kind of long drawn out thing exactly Just bam, 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 done yeah, so it was dude. Again, such a great idea and had so much fun doing it. So. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Thank you. It really meant a lot. And uh, and it's it's nice to have it out there in the world where people can people can hear it and, and share it. So thank you. Well, and people I went to high school with, I hadn't spoken to in years. They're, they're chiming in about it. You know, there's like getting some people uh, haven't talked in a while talking to me again. So that was nice to reconnect with a few folks that way. Awesome. So. Yeah, see, you're getting more popular yeah. because of it. There you go. Using your God-given talents to, uh, you know, spread a little uh, birthday cheer into the world. And, and uh, the universe oh. responds tenfold unto you, my buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always kind of wanted to be a rock star when I was a kid. Uh, not necessarily a rap star, but... Um, you're on your way. I don't know. You're on your way to being a rap it's, star. It's, you transition to having rock. Fun, having fun. Yeah, sure. Well, and uh, something will go along with that. And uh, while you were in Mexico, I had lots of adventures with uh, 70s and 80s rock. Uh, one of the libraries I am working for currently, they're making an album of retro 70s and 80s rock. And I about fainted or uh, did like hit my head or something when they asked for this. I was like, this is the best thing ever. So they yeah. want stuff like Van Halen, old Van Halen, 19... Uh, late 70s Van Halen, wow. 1984 Van Halen, that stuff. ACDC, they want that kind of stuff. I'm just, eh, thank you so much. 
that's something I've always wanted to do, make instrumental songs like that. Yeah. So I've been having a blast making those the last few weeks. And it's, it's just so much fun. Are you doing that all yeah. digitally, like with a synth or like, or are you, are you playing? Cause you play guitar too, don't you? A little bit, or is that one of the instruments you I don't can, do? Cause you, I know you do so many. Play a, but... I can play a little guitar, but not near good enough to what I need to do. And the synths or the sampled guitars that I have, are close enough. I think it could fool most people. Not real guitar, real guitar players. Like, oh, that sucks. What the hell? That's a sample, you know. But I think I could fool most people with sense. So everything's done on the computer with the keyboard with samples, and um, it's it's. I've been having a blast with that. So I, I I'll, maybe I'll put that in a in a video too. One of these tracks, uh, retro '80s synth rock. It's fun. Yeah, man, do it. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. So All can right. I would I be able to use some of that music possibly for like an episode of Frightmare Theater at some point or something? Oh yeah. Yeah, I could I could give it to you and I I tell the guys or tell the companies that hey, this guy's using this in his uh podcast, Frightmare Theater podcast. Um there's no copyright infringement or anything. I gave him permission to use it. Oh, okay. So I've done that many times. So it's in the library, you know, so, and then it can be licensed. So then we can put but a I link. Say, no, this yeah, is- we can put a link in our notes, our show notes, to send people if they want to use that music to the library to get it. Okay. Right. And it's, I, you know, ideally for, you know, uh, film trailers, right. TV commercials, right. pro- promo things, a lot of stuff gets used for that. But I really don't care if it gets get used or not. I'm having so much fun making them. You know? it's, it's like the happy birthday video. I'm just having so much fun. Right. It's like... I don't, you know, be nice to get some money out of it, but, but just so much fun just to, just to have the opportunity to yeah, do it. Yeah, man. So. I think that's awesome. I think that art should be done for, for you, you know, like you should be doing art that you love and that you're getting something out of. And, you know, if, if somebody else loves it, it even better, if somebody else pays you for it, even better, but you, you're loving win, it. Win-win, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're loving it. And that's awesome. So kick ass, man. Yeah. Well, I want to hear it. Uh, send me some links. I, I would really love to hear it, but I know I've got some, I know I've got some episodes coming up that could definitely use something like that for the, for Frightmare. So oh, sure. yeah, it'd be fun to, yeah. fun to look at. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and a little bit of acting news for myself here. I know you're the actor on the podcast, but I have been cast as an extra pantomiming playing trombone or and or violin in a little short film hey and it's being shot or maybe in in los angeles yeah or it may be a feature film i don't know but a friend of mine is an actress and she said and it's uh it was on some casting network something or other so it's kind of like a bigger movie or something like that but they need people with instruments to come in and kind of fake it and uh, and whatever they're doing, you're sitting in the middle of an orchestra while they're filming, nice. you know, playing stuff. So, I, I that that'll be on the next episode, my uh, debut as an actor. Even though I'm just sitting there, panamining. I want to hear all about that. <laughs> whenever yeah. you do it. So you're not the you're not the only actor on the show here anymore, right. Nathan. We got two actors all right. now. I so. see what you're doing. Well, maybe I'll just start uh, start <laughs> writing some scores. And uh, getting those up. No, Matt, we already <laughs> talked about that. You're not you the music I'm the music You can't encroach on my territory and then, like, keep me at bay, at you know, going into your territory. All right, fair enough. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how this goes. It may be my one and only acting gig yeah, ever. You I know, think that's so. awesome. I'm excited, to, I'm excited to hear more about that. I don't think it's your acting debut, though, because if I remember right, when we did Dracula, at least one of the times, you were in one of the video sequences or something, weren't you? 
I maybe not. No. Maybe not. I I don't. If I was, I Wait, don't remember it. You. But I was also an actor in Clue. Yep, our the very musical. first outing together. Right. You did. We we yes. mentioned you. Like you had a line too, because we go out to the yep. audience. Or not to the audience, but to the orchestra yeah. and uh, say something. And you, what did you say? Do you remember? Well, I don't remember the exact lines, but the gist of it is, I'm the piano player. I'm right there in front of the right. stage, okay. And and the and the play is going. It's a musical. It's going on, and uh, they're trying to just like clue the board game. They're trying to figure out who did it with what and what room. They're Everyday trying to figure that out. Devices. And then it turns out. Do you remember? What everyday devices. Everyday devices, yeah, 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 yeah. All those songs. I know. Oh, we we made man. them. We made them pop a little bit more than they do in the actual score. I rewrote so much. Oh, of that I stuff. know. I rewrote the. <laughs> I rewrote. It was a cello part, and I rewrote it for bass, and it was ten times better. I rewrote so much of the piano stuff because all it was was piano, bass, mm-hmm. and drums. So it was really just me and the bass player that were you know had to you know had to rewrite stuff. And a drummer, which you know he can he can do whatever he wants. Uh, so it, follow the book, not follow the book, whatever. We we made it work, and it was a lot better than what was on the page right. in that one. So anyway, they're trying to figure out who the killer is with what weapon, what room. Turns out I'm Professor Plum, and I'm the right. killer. And right when they call my name or it's revealed that I'm Professor Plum, I put on this purple. I still jacket. have the other one. You know. Okay, and then I stand up and I say, "Yes, I'm Professor Plum, and and I did it in the you know in the kitchen with the revolver, and you know it was me." Um, and then I sit back down and play the rest of the piano. I gotta tell you, one of the best memories of that was doing it for the state uh, production right. of it at um, where was it? Was it in Rolla? Maybe the state one. I think was in. Uh, oh shoot. I didn't think it was in Rolla. I thought it was in, um, like, not Chillicothe. Uh, where is it? Where's the, uh, oh, my gosh, I can't even remember this school. It's in one of those, like, smaller Missouri towns, but that, it, you know, it's not Springfield. It's not St. Louis or Kansas City, but it's it's, like, one of the bigger, smaller areas. It wasn't in Jeff City, and it wasn't in Rolla. No. I, maybe it was in Rolla. I don't, I don't remember, but... I saw it. I, I was I there. Remember. I was it, there it, at the stage show. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my best memories, you know, because it was such a, so much work, so many hours traveling to doing this thing. It were, you know, and it was all for the kids. You know, the kids were, you know, very successful and got to go to state with this thing and then got to go to a national thing in Lincoln, Nebraska. But the one at the state level, when I get up and reveal that I'm Professor Plum, roar. From the crowd. I mean, they're cheering, screaming for me when I stand up and reveal I'm Professor Plum. I was like, wow. You know, and the whole cast is just kind of standing there waiting for the applause yeah. to die down because yeah. I got lines. So it was, it, that was a great memory. And it was like just to get that, you know, vindication after all the hours to put into this thing, you know. Well, just the original to, production, right? We had three casts that we were working with, two student casts and a faculty cast in which I, because I, I directed the production and I also played Professor Plum in the faculty cast. Um, and then right. we did, and then you guys went on and did it again, remounted it because some of the people had graduated and state was the next year, but the show made it to state and then made it to nationals um, and did quite well. And uh, it was the first, I think, Springfield high school production to make it that far um, and go and go all the way to nationals. It was a big deal and it was a great production. And, and a large part of that was you, my friend. Um, 
It really was. Well, we, like I said, we put a lot Hell of time yeah, into did. it, so I, I think it was well deserved to get the recognition. Yeah. Not, I mean, yes, it was for the kids, but you know, you know, David Crudwig too, putting in all that time. Oh my put god! In, uh, other I was just getting ready out. to say we should actually have David on the show sometime because Crudwig is a hilarious yeah. guy, and it started out, you know, with you, me, him, and Adam as the the. Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, we called ourselves. Four Horsemen Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, so I think that would be something that would be great just to have him on and, and just chat about where life is right now. I know he's got, you know, he's got some teenage kids too, or preteen kids, and, uh, you know, and is uh, still rocking out as a, as a high school theater teacher. And that's a hard gig, man. That's a hard gig, and not everybody can do that. I mean, you, you did the music, yeah. uh, you know, teacher gig for a while and that wasn't for you and um i've never done i for a little tiny bit in college i was an education major but man i couldn't do it so it's it takes a lot you know it takes a lot you know if you really love it you really love doing that more power to it. people like dave that stuck yeah. with it but i eight years in i i'd had enough yeah. so but there's lots of good oh, memories yeah. and, and and you got out before you absolutely hated here, it so. so like you got out when you still still enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it enough to have good memories <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he would be a good person to have on sometime. So maybe we'll get we'll get him on the show at some point. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Be good to catch up with him, just like Daryl. You know, just hadn't talked to him a long time. Just absolutely. see what's up. So Yeah, there's some of our other buddies out there in Los Angeles that I'd love to get on the show that did that worked on other stage productions like Dracula with us or um Night of the Living Dead. Um, you know, Night of I, you were gone for Night of the Living Dead when we did it. We did a stage comedy version called Night of the Living Dead Undead on Stage, which was like a play within a play. And it was I wrote this version of it because that's public domain material, and it was it was a lot of fun. Oh my god, a, another show we sold out like every single night for. Just a ton of fun. And um, some of those, oh, actually, a lot of that cast, if they didn't move to Los Angeles, they're here in Chicago, and. Uh, one of my good buddies who played uh, Baron Von Rotten, who's kind of a host of the show. He's like a young Bill Murray, one of the funniest people on stage, uh, Drew Dively. He's getting ready to move here to Chicago, and I'm just dying. I'm dying to get okay. him on the show so we could talk. I don't know if you remember seeing any videos of him or anything, but he was he was quite good. I wish you could have been there for that because you wrote all the supplemental music for that show, and it made the show. I mean, it was it was amazing. Yeah, I was gonna say I remember writing some music for you, uh, and I was like, "Well, no, it's just glad to work to work uh, with you some more and send you some music uh, and, and help out the show if I can." And and it, and it did, so that was yeah, great. Was yeah. And it brings back all the memories, like um, going back in there and um, and listening to some of those things. Like every everything I go back and listen to, like holy crap, I remember making that now, but it doesn't click in my ma in my mind until I listen to it. Like you're just talking about it now, I'm like ah, I'm a little fuzzy on that. But as soon as I listen to it, then I'll remember like all these other things about it. Yeah. So uh, and that's happened oh, quite bet. a bit. Yeah, it's know. like the Dracula uh, soundtrack too that we've talked about on other shows. The the music, the score you wrote for that is the entire score. Um, and you wrote two different versions because originally, you know, you were very hands-on. Then you had already moved to Los Angeles when we mounted the show again in 2008. And that version, um, the music was even tighter. And we still used some of the music from the first time, but we, we kind of did a conglomeration. Um, and uh, wow, oh, that score, so good, so powerful. And sometimes I get something in my head and I'm like, God, that sounds just like Dracula, you know, and it, it still gets me 
flooded with emotion a lot of the you know just from watching the performances every night and oh so so amazing I love I love being a uh, being a composer moving here. Uh, it's really what I love doing the most. But there's something about doing stuff like Clue and doing stuff like Dracula, where it's a live performance. You know, the live stage. Um, you know, I was never. You know, I just had little actor parts. You know, with the Professor right. Plum thing. But you know, I was always sitting in front of the stage. You know, in the pit. Um, I helped out Springfield Little Theater a bunch. We did Tommy. That yeah. was a blast. Yeah. Oh. That was a blast. And that was one of the best bands, one of the best pit orchestras. It was right. really a rock band, but it was one of the best group of musicians I'd ever played with mm-hmm. in Springfield or ever since then. They, it, everybody was on it. It was it was so good. And uh, what was another one? Uh, of course, we did um, Joseph and Amazing Chocolate Color Dream Code. That sold out. Uh, yeah. That always sells out. Uh, but that was a lot of fun and another really great band with that one. So, But that... Yeah, that live stuff. I I do miss that a bit. Yeah, I'm still trying. I've got this great idea to turn, um, you know, what we're doing with Frightmare Theater, the other podcast that I run that is essentially it is a uh, it's a horror radio theater show. Right. It is a uh, horror anthology radio show like like the old shows that you would have listened to back in the day, back in like the 40s and the 50s, um, although it is modernized in its storytelling structure it's more like a horror host program um like you're listening to the the uh, host of the show who i voice is dr necropolis and dr necropolis will always come out with some goofy shtick before the show introduce the episode and then follow it back up with some cheesy one-liners at the end and then we close out the episode so it's a mix between the old radio days tales from the crypt and the twilight zone and then in the middle of it, you are listening to a highly produced, very professional, um, you know, balls to the wall kind of production, audio production. So where it's like you're listening to a movie. So we want the audience to be able to what we say in the beginning is turn down the lights and turn up the terror. That's a tagline so that we get everybody's focus. And if you can listen to it when you're not at work, if you're driving alone at night and you turn that volume all the way up in your car, um, or if you're watching it on YouTube at home um, or something, you someplace where you can either have a headset or you have good surround sound, we have full immersive audio going on at all times in that in that show specifically to take you away and give you a good good scare or a funny uh, story from time to time. And um, I'm wanting to turn that into a touring live radio show where we do three stories and it has music interludes and stuff like that. So might pull you in to travel with us and because I want to go to L.A. and do it and uh, and do a live stage version where the host and everything are puppets and then we're mixing sounds live, we're mixing audio live, and then they have the radio theater people, and we we actually program lights and do a light show with the uh, with other elements. So it's part multimedia, part live radio show, part puppetry. You know, um, I that's the kind of stuff I like is blending all those things together and creating something that's truly innovative, and we can go around to cons and festivals and stuff. That would that's one of the things I'm developing in my brain right now. 
Oh, I think that would be super successful. Come on, people love that I, stuff. I, I love would it. think any horror fan. And I gotta tell you, I've listened to I've listened to almost all the episodes of Frightmare Theater, and every single one, it's just what you're saying. It is so cinematic. I get all these pictures in my head about what's going on in there, what it looks like. You know, probably not what you think, but you know, everything you get into it, I'm just like, whoa! It is so. I can't think of a better word. It's so cinematic. It's just, it, yeah, it immerses you and makes you forget about what's going on every, everywhere else. Because some of it's, <laughs> some of it's pretty terrifying. Some of the, some of these yes. voice yeah. actors you you have yourself, your performance, it it really engages you. You know, it and it makes you start thinking, like, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? It's not predictable. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and it I starts love, with the I love writers. Stuff like that. I do too. I really do. And it starts with the writers, and we pull in. Uh, you know, my team of writers that we have on the show, it is, you know, they're people, Brian, that we've worked with, you know, since yeah. forever. They're all, most of us are from Missouri, but we're all over the place now because we've got Sean Young on the writing staff. He's out there in LA with you. Um, you know, Drew Dively's in, in Kansas City right now, getting ready to move here to Chicago. We had Fee from Chicago. We've got more Springfield people. Heath Hillhouse is a writer on the show and Andy McMurtry, all these guys that we've worked with forever. Brittany Greer is an amazing amazing horror writer and director out of Springfield who I think horror audiences are getting ready to see some amazing stuff from her. She's growing and growing. She's got a new feature out that she's written. Um, I think it's called Halloween, just called, ha no, it can't be called Halloween. It's like, I don't even remember what it's called. It's a slasher movie, but it's not called Halloween. I don't remember, but it's, uh, it's getting ready to come out, um, soon. They're in, they're shooting it right now, actually. So they I think, I don't know if they're in post or what, but, um, but yeah, so we we pull in all these great writers and we develop this stuff together in regular Zoom calls because we're all over the place. And then if we can, I always go to Missouri uh, multiple times a year and we try to book out time to do like two full day recordings for these episodes and we call in all these people. And then we have regular voice actors that are professional people working on Broadway right now in this season. Uh, you know, we have family members that are professional actors and uh good friends um i have lisa murphy who who i don't i don't know if you actually met her but she's my irish friend she's actually moved back to ireland she's an amazing actress an amazing voice actress and she does a lot of stuff for us still from from over in ireland and that's the great part about being able to record i mean if you have a good home studio or you can go into a studio we get top-notch talent all giving their time to the show because we all believe in what we're trying to do we get it out there, and then it takes a long time. It takes me about a month to edit every single episode of constant work because I'm very anal retentive about, you know this, as a director and as a producer. You know, I want it to be as perfect as possible, and I try to listen. I, you know, as I'm developing the, the audio landscape, I'm trying to, like, piece it together and picture in my mind exactly where we are. And I sometimes I have to get onto my writers because I'm like, guys – Stop putting so many locations. Stop putting, I mean, these complex stories, they're killing me. I mean, it takes me forever to edit some of this shit because it, they, you know, they've got, everybody's got, and then this happens and, oh, I've got this great idea. And so we've, I, I've been like, let's scale it down a bit. All right. Let's make like just a few characters this time. You know, let's, let's have a good old drawing room mystery or ghost story. Let's do something like that. Um, but there's still sometimes that I'm like nine or 10 different locations, you know, and we've got to, We've got to get into that auditorily. That's been the right. coolest challenge. And I say coolest, not like biggest or, or worst, is we're all film writers. Most of us are film writers. Some of us were novelists before. And so we're used to writing in a visual medium. 
And we had to switch our brains and go, okay, how can I tell this story auditorily? How can I, t- how can I take that listener with us on this journey and get them enveloped in it without any visuals whatsoever? And it is not always easy. And sometimes we argue about that in our writing meetings. But, um, and then, of course, we have a great composer, uh, another good friend of mine, um, who I've worked with since you had moved on and doing all this bigger things. Somebody else from Missouri, um, who yeah. my my buddy Chris and uh, and his girlfriend Allison, great composers, and they created the theme for Frightmare, and um, and they they do the majority of the music on the show right now. Every once in a while, I'll have my brother's band on the show, or I'll use something of yours from the past that we've worked on, and uh, actually, Meet Me in the Shadows from Shadowbound, the song that you and I worked on together yeah. that you wrote, which is amazing. It's this great 1930s piece that is, um, is in the, uh, is in an episode playing on the radio. Uh, and stuff excellent. Like that. Love that song. Yeah. Oh man, me too. That was a big hit when the show came out and then all you did all those oh, weird yeah. versions yeah. of, of it, like morphing. It and... kept, it kept getting like grainier and kept getting more staticky. And I had this, uh, plugin. You could add like electronic hum to it. Oh. And then, like, I think we're altering some pitch into like the audio it starts is degrading to slow down. Well, also, time. like, the record player is slowing down. Yeah, know? yeah. There's a problem with the record player. There's a problem with the audio, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. I mean, it's the same song, right. but the quality of the audio keeps de- kept deteriorating throughout the episode. That was a creepy thing. By the end, it was it was really weird. By the end, so by the very end, it just had that. Shh, shh, Right. Yeah, it was like a skipping, like the skipping record. Skipping, yeah, and yeah. there was no more audio. It was like, <laughs> right. and I think yeah, uh, yeah. people that listen to it and watch the credits to the end, that I got lots of feedback on that, how they loved that progression. But yeah, um, I didn't tell you this, Brian, but actually, since I've been when I went to Mexico, I was looking for some stuff to do <clears throat> in between some of my projects, um, and I started re-editing the film version of Shadowbound. So, All right. so getting that together, I'm I'm keeping the time signature the same because you rescored the the damn thing again, the whole movie. But there's some dialogue in there that, luckily, since it's a silent movie, I can change out the dialogue. I can make it anything I want, and I'm doing a few rewrites on it. I'm using alternate takes that we had that I still have um, to give some side characters a little bit more oomph, make those stronger B and C plots in it. Um, we are going to reshoot this summer. We are going to reshoot an entire new opening credit sequence and some of the monster scenes now that I'm um, you know a better filmmaker and a better makeup artist than I was back then um, you know god how long ago was that 2012 13 when we shot the 14 I think oh. 2014 is when it came out okay but right. 2013 yeah. I think is when we made it 2013 yeah. but anyway you know it's been a bit and I think we can do a little bit better so I've been going back through and re-editing it and we're going to pull it off of the um, the uh, YouTube, the series, and uh, re-release it as a movie and seek distribution. So I'm I'm very excited about it. I think it it has some strong legs. It was such an amazing experience making it, and I think uh, uh, I'm excited to get it out this next year. Oh man, that's such a great idea. I always wanted, you know, had a great time working on that thing. It should be out there, uh, maybe on one of the streaming services at least oh. uh, for people to watch and enjoy Absolutely. and everything. It's, it's it's such a great thing, and I had a blast. I keep saying this. I have a blast on everything I work with you, but I had a blast working on that too because it's all the old timey music, and and you can really go wild with it. Yeah, and man. Your, your notes and everything is like more, more, go more, go crazy, or go more. Like I'm always, 
because most of the time they're telling you know the director or whoever no no not so much music not so much activity not the case on this one because you got a silent movie here and the music can be crazy because there's no other audio so Yeah, so love working on Shadowbound. That that's that's such an exciting thing. You're revisiting it, reworking it, reshooting the opening. Man, that's it's. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Well, when we did it before, we you know we wanted to do a. Um, we were trying to do a uh, a movie version, and uh, we had re-edited, moved some things around. You rescored it. We did some some changes with the title cards, but the credit sequence we kind of had to throw together just with, with footage that we already had, but it was eaten away at me for years. Actually, I need to get back in there. I want to tell a little bit more of the story beyond what, you know, a web series um, can do for a movie, you know, and make it a little bit grander of a scale. And so I finally, after mulling it over for a long time and going through a lot of stuff, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I think I'm ready to actually get in there and do this. I've, I've spoken with some people, um, uh, some cinematographer friends. Unfortunately, we won't be able to bring Dan Smiley back from Los Angeles to to do reshoots on it just because the funds aren't there. But um, but we've got some killer talent and back in Missouri, back home, and um, it's a small. T- it takes place in a small town setting, and so we're going to go back and do do some reshoots at my uh, at the house that we shot in. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and some stuff like that. So I'm, uh, I'm reworking that, figuring that out. I'm over halfway through the movie right now, uh, doing edits on the title cards and changing around a few, a few things here and there, but very happy with it. And it's so much fun to go back and watch it again. So, but we are taking it down off of, uh, off of YouTube. So anybody that wants to check it out, you got to get on there soon and, watch it you can watch the original incarnation of the show before the the movie version uh will be released at some point in the near future yeah looking forward to that jeez that's gonna be awesome you need me to redo some stuff i still got all the files here on one of my drives so i would hate to ask you to do it all again but it not might be all fun of for it. you but not yeah. all of it but maybe a few things here and there might need to be redone that'd be fun to revisit yeah like just like you're doing it'd be fun to revisit it musically as well mm-hmm yeah, you might be able to redo the front end of it, actually, the opening credit sequence when I get it, because I, I was going to try to time it out to the music you already put in there because you redid it for the for the movie version. Right. But and it's very exciting, but um, I might shoot beyond that, like shoot a sequence that might be beyond what the music is that we currently have. So maybe maybe you can. Go I'll do it. I'll do it. I have a blast doing that. That's so much fun, man. Awesome. Yeah. Lots of lots of good stuff we've done, and another thing we're talking about live theater and and doing things live. One one other thing that I've done out here, and I didn't do it till I was here in Los Angeles, that I've had more fun with, more fun with music than uh, in theater as well. Um, I was trying to find some gigs playing piano because there was wasn't a whole lot of composing gigs when I got here. I mean, I had Family Guy going, but during when the season's off, there's no work, and right. um, so I was trying to find piano gigs to play for, and uh, just. And it was kind of stupid and irresponsible, but I found one on Craigslist, and they advertised that we need a piano player that likes Whose Line Is It Anyway? We're an improv comedy troupe, and we want you to audition for that. You know, it was like, we're looking for piano players. And I was like, oh boy, Craigslist, you never know what you're going to get. You know, it's, 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 
I hesitated to do it, but I was like, man, that looks like a lot of fun. So I clicked on it, you know, and I sent them a message. And they were right over there in Burbank. And I went over to the guy's house, brought a keyboard, and had so much fun doing that with this group. They were, they were called the Mutiny. That was the name of their comedy troupe. We played little tiny theaters around, kind of like the Vandevort, real tiny theaters like that. We did it just like Whose Line Is It Anyway? They're improv and stuff, getting suggestions from the audience. I'm making up songs. They're singing songs. Such a blast. And I got to tell you, you're a real funny guy. I know a lot of funny people. These guys, I couldn't, I could even play sometime. I could, I was laughing so hard and my stomach hurt and like bent over laughing and trying to play a song or whatever. And it's like, I couldn't do it sometime because they're so damn funny. That's uh, awesome. That had such a blast playing, playing for them. And then, you know, and as, as things do, people kind of moved on and moved away. Um, but uh, with the one guy, the main guy, Curtis, He's your doppelganger here in Los Angeles. He doesn't look exactly like you, but he's kind of like you, actor and does and writer and does all this stuff. So I want to have him on. We can talk about this stuff. And I know you two will hit it off because you're, you're kind of the same type of guy. Uh, but he was kind of the leader of the group and kind of got it all organized and everything. And super funny guy, off the cuff, just so good at, at improv. And he's a great writer and an actor too. So uh, but, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to love yeah, to meet him. Maybe, Made me th- made me think of playing live stuff because I, all I do is bring a little keyboard and sit there and play. And I fir- my first instinct was, oh, I've got to do all this cool jazz stuff and really complicated chords and, you know, and, and uh, chord structure and chord voicings and everything. And the first couple of times are kind of like, ah, can you simplify it a little bit? So then it kind of became real simple stuff, chord progressions, you know. And uh, then the singing came easier and then they didn't have to worry about, you know, doing some kind of elaborate melody or something like that. But I was, you know, I was trying to show off or something stupid, you know, so it was kind of, it was, to- it was totally <laughs> right. my fault, you know, and they called me on, it. I was like, no, just simplify it, you know, and then they, they caught on uh, and, and, made, and the, that made the songs even better because who cares what the chords are? It's more about the lyrics right. and the, you know, coming up with things. And some of them are a couple, couple of them are actually pretty good singers, you know. Uh, yeah. so it's not only they're coming up with funny lyrics and everything, that's actually a pretty good, pretty good voice singing these stupid songs. They're not stupid. They're funny songs. Uh, right. But yeah, but that was, that was a lot of love, love doing that. But, uh, and I'm still in contact with him. I've made some films with him, short films with him over the years. And every once in a while he'll call up and just, just say, Hey, what you doing? You know, we'll just chat for a while and reminisce like we do about stuff. So he's a good that's guy. That's great. Yeah. Let's, let's bring him on the show. Curtis. Oh in? yeah. Yeah, Curtis Curtis Bedford. He might listen. Um, so you'll you'll get you get on one of these times, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> you'll never know when. We'll just call you out of the blue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll be like five minutes before we start. Yeah. Get your get your camera, get your mic, let's go. When you said Burbank, I, I just have to mention this. I don't know why, but I keep thinking about it. When you said Burbank, um, and I always think this every time I hear Burbank, uh, I have some friends who live in Burbank. And uh when you were well, I know you're a little older than me, not much, but a little bit older than me. And when I was a kid, we we watched this. We had this VHS tape because those existed, and we we watched this VHS tape called The Great Bear Scare. And I don't know if any of you listeners out there know what I'm talking about. The Great Bear Scare, and it was one of those um, kind of like it's like a storybook i think like what they used to do on um on uh, reading rainbow where they would take a storybook like abiyoyo or something and then they would kind of animate it to where it was like a still picture but then it had like a a morph kind of animation so it was kind of jumpy a little bit do you know what i mean okay 
like yeah. that, like where it's like it would morph and fade into like a few different versions of it. So like if somebody's running, it was like three different animations instead of being very smooth, like an actual cartoon. Um, yeah. So it was probably cheaply made or it was just a book and they were trying to do something different with the style. But it had monsters in it, so I was there. You know, I loved it. Yeah. And uh, my brother and I watched it all the time. And it's about, like, this bear and this, like, town. I don't know, this, like, group of, if I remember right, bears that, like, that were going up against these monsters. And Dracula is the head of all the monsters, right? And he's going to open up. And, and he hears about Bear Bank, which is where they live in Bear Bank. And he's like, Bear Bank? bear bank and so he thinks that it's i don't know i i just i that's where i very first heard of burbank and so i was like every time i hear that i always go right back to that cartoon and uh, oh, that cartoon had a very big effect on me when i was a kid like i used to be able to recite it from memory i knew it so well it's one of those but it was an early early thing so it would have had to have come out in like the mid 80s you know, like I'm guessing it's probably 85, 86. I'll have to look it up. But the Great Bear Scare. I didn't know if anybody else out there, maybe you listeners, if you, uh, I'll tell you what, listeners, if you know what the hell I'm talking about anytime, but no, this time in particular, if you know what I'm yeah, talking about with the, great, <laughs> yeah, with the Great Bear Scare, will you please send us an email on our website or something like just let me know that I'm not crazy and that this isn't part of the whole fucking mandela effect or something that never existed <laughs> you know uh i want to know that i'm not i'm not existing in an alternate plane of reality please let me know if you saw and and loved or hated the great bear scare and if anybody can find that on youtube hell yeah give it a give it a look give it we a want look. yeah we, we want to know yeah now we got now we got to find out yeah yeah I'm sorry. I know we were talking about things we've created together, but I just uh, you mentioned Burbank, and all I kept hearing in my head is Burbank, Burbank, Burbank. <laughs> yeah, Bear Scare, Burbank, <laughs> the Great Bear Scare. The and Dracula looks think so of, cool in that. Oh yeah. The only thing I think of when I think Burbank, I, I remember that um, uh, the Price is Right was filmed there and so it's like oh it's burbank california i was like oh that's where price is right is so I, that's what i always think when i hear burbank i don't know why stupid price thing. is wrong bitch <laughs> happy gilmore oh yeah from, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. punches him out and, and he he's from how to, yeah and he learned how to fight from chuck norris chuck norris taught I mean, bob chuck norris taught america how to fight i mean really. chuck norris taught bob barker how to fight and so they, there. I remember there's some behind the scenes thing saying, "Oh, we can put a stunt double in for you." And he's like, "No, I know how to fight. You know, I know how to throw punches and stuff. You know, and he's I don't know, however old, however old he was at the time. You know, still nine hundred and thirty. Yeah. Yes, at least <laughs> he's not over a thousand. Yeah. Do do people even say Chuck Norris jokes anymore? I mean, that used to be a thing. I remember. I don't know. You know. That used to be a big thing, you know, all those Chuck Norris jokes, but I don't know if that's a thing anymore. I don't, my favorite one was when Chuck Norris, I don't know, did you know, it's not even a, like, it's just, did you know that when Chuck Norris walks into the ocean, he doesn't get wet, the ocean gets Chuck norris <laughs> <laughs> It's so stupid, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, you uh, get Chuck just, Norris. Yes, yes, right. It just gets me caught off guard. Ugh. 
I, I don't be thinking that, that every time I hear Chuck Norris's name. Yeah. 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 I think of the movie Sidekicks too with, with Jonathan Brandis, God rest his soul. What a great actor. Yeah, that one and then um Dodgeball. He's one of the judges in the movie Dodgeball. He's Chuck Norris is? Yeah. Oh. And then they're like trying to vote like there's a deciding vote whether they go to sudden death and they give have to give a thumbs up and and now the deciding vote is Chuck Norris and he just gives a thumb up <laughs> and then uh, uh Vince Vaughn goes and thank you Chuck Norris, you know, it's just another stupid <laughs> stupid joke. I but did a real not funny cameo. Yeah. Real funny cameo though. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I totally didn't know that. I I did not know yeah. that. I, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but oh boy, well, yeah, we we even talk a little bit about Chuck Norris, man. You never know where the conversation goes here. This 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 show. So. Oh right, I mean, yeah, we've gone back and forth from Bad Bank to things we did together <laughs> uh, while working in Missouri to Chuck Norris and the ocean. We've incorporated the ocean. <laughs> Because it's all over the place. Mexico. <laughs> when I was in Mexico, by the way, I did get to go to um, the Island of the Dolls, the haunted oh, Island of that? the Dolls. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, so I found we were going to a place, um, Xochimilco, I think is what it's called. And it's uh, it's actually in Mexico City, but it's, uh, it's you know, kind of to the side. And there's all these canals. They call them canals. It's more like rivers. I mean, it's like full rivers. It's not like it's built-in canals. Uh, part of it is. And you get on these boats. You can rent these big, like, party boats, basically. They're kind of like, you know, pontoon kind of boats. And they've got um, long tables and chairs. So you can get a huge group of people. You can get, like, 20-some-odd people on these boats, right? And there's a guy that has a big, long stick and he puts it in the water and he just pushes your boat down the, the rivers. And you can pay for like you basically pay for like an hour at a time. And it's cheap. Um, and it's fun. And a lot of people go there and just get trashed and dance. And they have like they bring out speakers and put on their boats and they're like dancing and partying. You can get food out on the water. There's vendors on the water that are like coming by with like pulque, which is a very awesome fermented drink from the uh uh, my gay plant um and it's uh it's kind of thick uh there's different flavors i like it some people do not like it because it is it is an interesting drink but it is the oldest drink in all of mexico as far as alcoholic beverages it predates mezcal it predates tequila it's it is it pulque it was the very first it's very easy to to make i guess compared to those um they just is it from the agave agave mm. plant like tequila yeah, it's from the maguey plant, which is uh, oh, different plant. Yeah, it's it's similar though. I mean, they're they're all like kind of giant, like succulent kind of plants, right? But this one, uh, the Aztecs used to drink this this shit, and oh. uh, it's it's well, it's got to be good then. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, yeah, because their civilization did so well. Uh, <laughs> that's thanks to the bastard Spanish that came in. No, but no, the uh, um, the the, the that's a great drink they have that and people are selling beers and they're selling all sorts of food out there and everything but you can buy a bunch of food before you go out there's all these vendors and they're yelling at you like you go up and they're like ah! like trying to get you to pay attention to them but when they yell at you you're just kind of like i don't want to pay attention to you like i don't i'm yeah. okay i'm gonna go over here like stop yelling at me man um but you get you get the food you go out on the boat 
you pay by the hour and you can decide where you want to go and their whole network of, of things. And you just tell the tour guide, this is where I want to go. Well, so my wife and I, um, and, uh, again, I'm the only like really non-Spanish speaker. I speak a little Spanish, uh, but mi español es muy poquito. Um, and so Alma always translates for me, but Alma's mother and, uh, and, uh, our good friend, um, uh, Yadira, we all were on the, on the boat. So just the four of us with the boat, the, the Nico, the boat, the boat driver, I guess you'd say the boat, the boat pole man. Um, and we said we wanted to go to the boat. Yeah. We wanted to go to this Island because they, when we were talking about going here, I'm like, yeah, that's good. That'll be, it was my birthday weekend. And I'm like, this will be fun to be out on the water. They're covered boats too. So you're in the shade. You're not in direct sunlight. So it's, it's perfect. It's not, it's not bad at all. And it's usually pretty cool out on the water. It's loud because everybody's, I mean, there are, hundreds of people out there so your boat it we ran into people multiple times boats are crashing into each other it's insane in the main part um but when we were talking about going alma mentioned oh and that's where the uh haunted that doll island is and i'm like what because i have seen on youtube and on like nature channel or discovery channel and stuff travel network all these shows that are like in the remote, in the remote, like rivers of Mexico, <laughs> lies a little remote island, in, you know, and it's like forgotten by time, and where all these dolls are hanging from the trees, and it's a haunted island. There's a ghost story and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh shit, this is awesome, and uh, and I want to go there. Gotta someday. go. And yeah. I had no idea it was in Mexico City. I thought it was like someplace else in Mexico. Well, everybody's like you know, raves about this thing. There's like a whole multiple shows do it. And they always go out at night and it's only like one boat. And it's like, they've got a flashlight and they're walking around and you see all these dolls and they're like, you know, it's yeah, yeah. You know, it's like all scary and jumpy and, and it's completely fabricated. So you get out there. And oh. so we were like, okay, let's go. Let's, let's go to this. And, and you, you have to pay extra to go because it takes like all in all the boat, ride. It's like three hours to get there and back on the water and it took us even longer we were on the boat for like five hours because we had to wait in line to get to the other channel because when your boat goes up to this you go up to this lift where your boat gets parked on this giant crane thing you get off and you walk up and down and it gets picked up over a highway and taken down onto the other side of the water and then you when you're put down it goes yeah then you get back in your boat and it goes down through a whole other very large, very natural area of rivers. And it's separate from the main party area, right? And so you do, it's not, it's hardly remote though. And so you go out and there's all these wonderful houses and farms and everything that go right up to the water, all these families that have boats and all these businesses that are selling pulque and beer and um, uh, all sorts of stuff. I, I, you know, I can't even, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the names of some of these things that they're selling, but it's amazing. Um, And, uh, you know, you get out there and, and, um, you're just, it's pretty calm and beautiful and everything and quiet. It's a lot quieter on this part. You see some boats, but, um, and you get closer to the Island and you're like, okay. Um, I mean, there's, it's not remote. Like you're by farms, you see businesses on the side, you know, people selling, uh, you know, melons and all, all sorts of stuff that you can go and stop. There's bathrooms all along the way so that if you need to park your boat and everybody needs to get out and go to the bathroom, you pay, you know, like a four pesos or whatever to go to the bathroom. So you get up there and there's so many boats there. 
there are so many people on this and it's really not an island it's a part of land that has a little river uh, like a little stream that goes around it so it technically i guess is an island because there is a stream with bridges that go to the mainland but it's not really an island but there's dolls everywhere and it's a tourist attraction and they're taking i was going to say yeah man they're yeah. taking money to get in a family runs it and you go onto the so i was already like oh come on man this is not remote it's like you know on the travel network it's always in a remote island in the south of mexico city or wherever and you're like oh this is yeah. going to be awesome and you get there and it's just like yeah it's like a poor man's disneyland or something so you go and uh the the dolls are creepy and i got some great photos but it was a i was a little let down to be honest um and jadira who was with us she was pissed because she had heard all this stuff about it (laughs) she'd never been there she was just like the whole time like oh my god she was not happy and uh but we i mean i would say it was fun we got some pictures taken uh together you know and uh, got a lot of cool pictures of the island. And then they they take you into this like little little hut and they kind of tell you about the island. And Alma's, of course, like whispering to me in English what they're saying in Spanish. And uh, Tim Burton had gone there and he donated a doll because people keep donating dolls to this island, you know, so they can just keep having new dolls. Um, the original story goes that there was a there was a guy and there was a little girl who had gone and got drowned and her doll, I guess, washed up on shore and he started seeing a ghost. And so and he lived on the island kind of by himself and kind of farmed over there. And so to keep her ghost at bay, he hung up her doll and they still have that original doll there. It's in the hut. And then oh, after wow. that, and if I remember right, that doll's kind of like a, like a, it almost looks like a Victorian doll. If I'm if I'm right, um, she it wasn't in the Victorian. I mean, this this happened in like the fifties, I think, or the sixties. But um, after he did that, I think he stopped seeing the girl's ghost or something. And so, but that story has gotten relayed and blown up and completely changed around and stuff. But there are people in the area that will tell you various versions of the story and people that claim to know the real man that did live there. They have his picture up in the hut and they'll tell you, you know, what he used to tell them about it. But it does relate to a real ghost story. It is technically supposedly a real haunted island. I believe in ghosts. So I'm like, okay, cool. Um but it's turned into a very kind of gimmicky, you know, thing. It's still worth yeah. the trip. It's not expensive to go. It is the boat ride in and of itself just to get there and back is so much fun and it's so beautiful. So I still recommend it, but it was a little bit of a letdown. If you're expecting the remote island in the side of Mexico City, yeah. then you're not going to be was- happy. I was I was ready for oh some like some kind of Mexican voodoo you know some kind of ancient you know tale or something like that with the dolls and things nope. when you when you told me the name of the place right. I was like oh man this is gonna be good but then it's turned out oh no we're just trying to be you know Disneyland down yeah here well and I told my kids I was gonna go and they're like why are you going there oh my god don't go there you know because all the videos on the travel networks and stuff they always make it look creepy and they don't even let you go there at night. They won't let you go there at night. Mm-hmm. I mean, around uh, Dia uh, Dia de, lo, de los Muertos, they um, they will do like an evening kind of a tour thing, but at night it's actually kind of dangerous. Our Nico, our our uh, um, uh, guide and the boat, the guy that was doing the boat, he said that it's dangerous out there at night because there's not a lot of people and it's really quiet and dark, and so people get accosted, murdered raped uh, like you know robbed out there because there's bandits that will 
that can go easily sneak out there and get people because people do try to sneak out to that island and try to go at night and stuff and or just are on the water at night and it's really easy so it's just dangerous i mean there's mexico city is just like any other big city um except it's like five times the size of chicago or something it's the fifth largest city in the entire world it's massive um mexico city is massive and there's you know, amazing, amazing things in different sides of the city. Have, it's such a mix of cultures and from all over Mexico and America, too. I mean, they've got a lot of American things there, too. But it's a great city. Every time I go, it's like a second home to me now. You know, whenever I go to visit Alma, I'm, I love it there. I really do. It's, it's very comfortable. Even though I don't speak Spanish very well, it's very comfortable for me. We have a a home. Um, we have a uh, an apartment there in an area called Tlalnepantla, which is, uh, it's kind of hard to say. There's a lot of vowels in it and not a lot of, uh, <laughs> or sorry, a lot of uh, consonants and not a lot of vowels. Tlalnepantla. And that's a pre-Hispanic word, um, you know, from the native people there. Um, the, uh, the, the people like the Aztec and people that were there long before the the Spanish came and, and uh, made it their own. So, um, but yeah, Tlalnepantla, we have a great apartment and it's such a nice neighborhood that we live in there. And I, oh my God, everything is just amazing. Everything's right there, uh, right around the corner. Good food, good, good places to shop and stuff. So. Yeah. You always rave about that. And I, I've always wanted to go, but I, the language barrier, I mean, I barely, you know, I'll, I just know a couple of words, you know, I, I would need someone like Alma yeah. there, you know, we'll to come and like, visit what us. is he really saying? What are they really come, saying? Come sometime yeah. when we're there and, uh, you know, or, or have another friend who speaks Spanish and can help. It's nice. And there are certain areas that yeah. you can go to absolutely where you don't have to worry about the, the language barrier, you know, that they, they deal with a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, Americans and uh, tourists in general that speak English or speak other languages. And yeah. I was going to ask you, I mean, how, you know, bilingual are most people there, particularly in the city? Not, not a lot, honestly. I mean, you know, not yeah. And, and that's one of the things it's like, sometimes I come across people, the, the, the people in Mexico are warm and uh, friendly and family oriented and outgoing and just wonderful, beautiful people. Um, and so nice and share, they share so much and, you know, it is a, it's not a wealthy country. There's a, you know, they've, they're, they're not, um, and, uh, so the American dollar goes a long way there, which is, which is nice when I go, because it's like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm a lot richer than I am here in Chicago. It's like I'm pinching pennies to make rent. Right. But there, you know, you can, you can, you can go and stretch that a lot farther, but, um, you know, Sometimes I come across people and they, I feel like they, they feel bad that they don't speak English. And I'm like, absolutely not. Why would you speak English? That's not your, no, that's not your, this yeah, this country. is your country. I yeah. feel bad that I don't speak Spanish. You know, I should speak exactly. more Spanish yeah. being here. But, you know, most people are so nice to me when I say to them, you know, Alma's always with me when I go out. There's very few times that I've gone out by myself to, to go do things like buy some tortillas. And I had to remember exactly what to say and have the exact change in my hand and everything. Almost like go get this, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay. But I always tell people, you know, lo siento, mi español es muy poquito. Uh, mi esposa hablas inglés y uh, español, so it's like she translates everything for me, and I have to. And, and most people, when I say I'm so sorry that I don't speak Spanish very well, they're also like, well, I'm sorry, I don't speak English very well. And then we have that kind of laughter and that common ground, and yeah. you know, you can still communicate with people. And I think you communicate even better sometimes. Sometimes language gets in the way, common language, because we take that for granted. I think that's one of the greatest things about Alma and Mine's relationship is that 
throughout all the years, you know, the multiple years now we've been together, um, we can't take language, like we can't take communication for granted like other people, like two English speakers or two Spanish speakers. You know, we fight a little bit right. harder to communicate because, you know, if I speak too fast or if she speaks too fast, you know, sometimes it's like, well, what did you say? You know, and I think it, it makes you work a little harder. It makes you respect that other person and the, the language that they're trying to do, you know, trying to how they're trying to communicate to you even more. So it's nice. Yeah, I I, I've lived in Los Angeles 16 years. Lo siento. I, I was like, I know what that is. You know, I'm just just a few. I could not carry on a conversation. Um, I, 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 I really regret not learning a language, not working harder at it in high school to learn a second language. Because I do feel yeah. bad that I don't, you know, live in Los Angeles. There's so many Spanish speakers here, uh, bilingual people too. But I was like, I don't, I can't carry on a conversation with anybody with Spanish. I well, feel bad, you know, because there's a lot of Mexicans. Right, that live right. Here. And there are here in Chicago too. And actually my neighborhood is, is there's a very uh, Hispanic presence here. My, my kid's school, it's like 90% Hispanic Latino, um, um, Latinx. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's, there's a lot, a lot of people of, of different, 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 uh, cultures here. And, um, you know, I've been learning Spanish on Duolingo. I love it. I think Duolingo is a great app. The only problem, and I, I don't know why this is the case, but they don't have Latin Spanish on Duolingo. They only have um, Castilian, Spain oh, Spanish, okay. which is different. Um, they have a different way of speaking. Right. There's a there's a more formal kind of way of speaking. It's flowerier. Like Alma heard me the very first time I went to Mexico. She heard me uh, doing my my little lesson at night, and she was like laughing at me and she's like what are you doing and i'm like i'm learning spanish and she was like oh no you're not <laughs> and she was like don't do that don't, yeah she's like don't, don't do that if you talk like that your I, people are going to make fun of you they'll make fun of you more than if you spoke english and didn't speak spanish so i was like ah oh, whatever but duolingo is still i think the best even if you have just the free version it is still the best app out there it's all game based so you're like you know learning spanish via these little games you don't have to pay for it but if you pay for it you get extra stuff and um, highly recommend Duolingo. Get it today. I'll check it out. It's very easy, and yeah. you could just do it like yeah. even if you did it like ten minutes a day, just ten minutes a day, you'll start to pick up things very quickly. And then I like I can understand when people are talking from contextual clues and things. Um, I can understand more what people are saying than being able to actually speak to them. Like if somebody's saying something to me, usually if they're not speaking very quickly, I can kind of understand what they're saying and. Um, uh, either respond or, or, you know, get Alma to help me. But <laughs> yeah. So after a while you do pick it up and it, it get, my Spanish gets better every time I go. I, I, I've never had a problem really communicating with her family. You know, we all, they don't speak English. They speak about as much English as I speak Spanish. Um, her sister speaks, oh, wow. speaks okay. a little English, um, you know, and uh, my two new nephews, they, they don't, they know some words. And so they'll be like, how cool. Or, you know, something like that. Like, Hey, uncle. Well, and another thing that you mentioned how, you know, how great the people are there. Um, the, another podcast I listened to, this guy was on vacation with his family in Mexico, and he was just going on and on about the level of hospitality uh, when he stays at hotels. And he's, you know, really well off and he stays at the nicer hotels and everything. He says the hospitality in Mexico, every time he goes, they go vacation there a lot, too says it is off the charts. It doesn't even compare to even the best hotel. He's been in all the best hotels all over the world. He says Mexico City, the hospitality level and the care that workers have for their jobs 
is nowhere. There's nowhere else like that in the world, according to this guy. And I just, you know, you're going, you're saying the same things. I just, I just makes me want to go more and just see it and and just hang out there for for a while, even though I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I always want to go to Mexico. I definitely take you up on the offer next time you're there. So, um, well, uh, I think we got to wrap it up here, Nathan. Another exciting episode. So glad to be on the show again and have you back. Um, many more episodes to come, everyone, and. Uh, We'll see you next time. <laughs>